0: You are listening to Faceless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering forecast for Spike Grogues. Each week, we design new decks for tournament play, and then we put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. What worked, what didn't, and what may need a bit more tuning. Tonight, I'm joined once again by David to discuss our first modern and pioneer brews with New Capena, and that's what's coming up on this edition of Faceless Brewing. Thanks for listening, and we hope you will enjoy the show. Welcome to the Faceless Brewing Podcast. On Saturday, David and I were discussing every single possibility of the cards we show the most with new capena, and today you're getting the finest brews we have with them. Finest or first, that that's for time to decide. So I'm here alongside David. David, how is it going?
1: Good. Everything is good. So Dan's still on vacation, still uh, enjoying some R and R with the fam, and uh, it is up to us to boldly step into the Capena uh, brew spot and uh, do our best.
0: Yeah, we went ahead, put some brews together. You were, you didn't listen to this episode yet, but um, I got accused of Brian that you are the only person brewing on faceless on faceless brewing. <laughs> he just publicly went, and um, yeah, you all the brew, <coughs> David. So yeah. I had to pull myself a bit forward, at least in Baldur. You can keep your reigning Pioneer. Yeah, you are a brewing king.
1: <laughs> Sometimes we need a little, uh, you know, extra pressure, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm getting attacked from all sides right right now. Yeah, that's crucial. It's crucial. Like, I, I just can't say no. Now I have to brew. Bad ideas, but brewing.
1: Yeah, so uh, just, a, just a quick reminder for anyone that is enjoying the show and would like to support us, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing. And join at whatever level you feel is uh, comfortable for you. So, join the Patreon is obviously important. Uh, This helps us do what we do. Join the Patreon gives you access to the Discord. The Discord has got a ton of ideas kicking around on it. It's fun to watch uh, people see the spoilers as they come out and get hyped or have people quash their hype (laughs) about various cards. Uh, Lots of cool new ideas in Pioneer and Modern uh, and a bunch of other things. And uh, if you join at a high enough level, you get a bunch of sweet merch. You know, tournaments are happening, the big uh, SCG Dallas thing. This is a time to get some, uh, you know, sweet playmats and uh, sleeves and tokens and stuff like that.
0: The playmat is gorgeous, everybody.
1: Yes, absolutely. And then, of course, you get to vote for cards. So we've got this new monthly project with Serum Visions where uh, we're, we're uh, you know, delving deep on, on certain cards and things like that, and, and this is a chance for people who have access to the uh, Patreon to vote on which cards are going to be explored.
0: You, you will get access to our Discord, you will get access to voting, which is really important right now with a monthly project. You might get to see the cards you love getting tested by not only us, but also a gang. Not only a week of testing, but a whole month of us trying to find the perfect shell for that card. And maybe we can crack a new deck.
1: Yeah, you, you never know. And then we have... A little bit more uh, in the video uh, world, so it looks like we are going to be updating a YouTube channel Monday, Wednesday, and Friday uh, more. Why don't you kind of break down what you're going to be doing there?
0: Right now, we're also focusing our our efforts into getting you guys the live playing that we of the decks we'll be discussing in the podcast, which means we'll be uploading to YouTube with the estimated dates right now. Nothing set in stone of Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, where you will get at least two whole league gameplays of the decks we will be discussing during the podcast, which means when, in a week from now, we are discussing our brews with Omnixities or any other card, you will get to see two leagues, maybe two of mine, maybe one of me and one of David, maybe one of me and one of Dan, who knows? Of us playing the decks we will discuss during the podcast, so you get to see what failed, what happened, what worked and what didn't, not just trust that we're saying something unbiased after losing to flat for the fifth game in a row. The content we will push forward is a bit of live gameplay, Maybe some replays, just discuss over. Maybe just a group discussion of a certain game. We will start uploading different sort of videos, and we would love to hear what did you expect and what do you want out of this. Give us your feedback. What do you like to see? What is the best concept out of them? And which of them just you didn't enjoy? Because nothing is set a stone as I said. Your your feedback is what will keep us going. Also, YouTube comments always help. Even mean ones. Even mean. Even ones mean ones that. help. But you, you can just say the mean ones on private, and just stick to the good ones on public. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
1: The really aggressive DMs are really what keeps the competitive fire stoked for us.
0: Oh, yeah. Just, just send me a text. I hate you and everything you do. That's just going to push me on Overdrive. Also, we are pushing on Instagram, Facebook, and today, it's this May, even TikTok, maybe.
1: <laughs> Got to support those TikToks.
0: Got to support those TikToks.
1: All right. So, week one of brews. The card I most wanted to brew around for week one is Obnixilus. Obnixilus the adversary I think by acclamation is considered to be you know the most powerful or one of the most powerful cards in the format. We don't have a lot of three mana planeswalkers in Pioneer specifically and this it looks like a very powerful one. Just a quick reminder Obnixilus the adversary won a black and a red for a legendary planeswalker <laughs> Uh So Ob is his first name is that the story?
0: That's that's exactly what we're discussing. But the thing is, the type tends to be the first name. The type is Chase Elspeth. So now the theory is his last name is OB, so he's Mr. OB. And he just learned a whole lot of credibility and scariness because of for that. For
1: people who live in the Twin Cities, OBS is a super sweet, like, uh, towny sports bar on the east side of St. Paul. So if you're in there and you ask for Nicholas, you know, just I would just see if he shows up. I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Ob. Yeah, I like to talk to Ob. It's like, okay, he's cr- he's he's grouchy.
0: Here we get my lot less yeah. curry.
1: All right, so Mr. Nixilis has Casualty X. So the the copy is not legendary and has Starting Loyalty X. As you cast a Nixilis, you may sacrifice a creature with power X. When you do, you copy the spell. So if you sacrifice a one power creature, you get an Obnixilus, the adversary token, with one starting loyalty uh, up all the way up to whatever, the highest power in magic. Obnixilus has plus one. Each opponent loses two life unless I discard a card. If you control a demon or devil, you gain two life. Minus two, create a 1-1 one, one red devil creature token with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. So obviously you can make a devil with one so that the other one gains two life. And then minus seven, target player draws seven cards and loses seven life. So we've seen the casualty mechanic uh, on a bunch of different cards in the set. This is the only Mythic Rare card with Casualty, I believe, so it's almost certainly the best. Um, We have seen Sacrifice effects get more and more important. There's been a very powerful Sacrifice deck in Standard for the last year or so. Uh, Sacrifice decks are among the more powerful and and popular decks in Pioneer. And we know that 3-mana Planeswalkers, uh, especially when you're on the play, really put a lot of pressure on your opponent, right? If they stumble a little bit, they they all of a sudden create this board state, and this allows you to have multiple 3-mana Planeswalkers in play uh, when your opponent possibly still only has two lands in play, which is, you know, <laughs> that's pretty scary in Pioneer. We don't have the catch-up mechanisms, right, where you get to, like, play a Fury and Blink it to kill both on is You actually have to cast, like, Dread on the one with the most loyalty and then, you know, uh, another removal spell on the other one. Um, if you have them, right? After you've taken six or eight or ten damage, so.
0: The thing is mostly it's a tempo play, right? The fact that you're just forcing your opponent to use a lot more than three mana on it.
1: Right, exactly. That's the hope. So yeah, I have, a, I have a handful of ideas. I'm just going to run through them real quick. The The, the main thing is, to play this card as it's quote-unquote meant to be played, I think you need to have a lot of creatures. You need to have creatures to block for it, because I don't think it protects itself very well, and you need to have a lot of creatures to sacrifice to it, because I think, at its absolute best, you want to be sacrificing a creature almost every time you cast it.
0: Th- that's the biggest problem with Omnixilis. is sort of a fish or famine sort of card. You can always live the dream of the 3-down Planeswalker. but if you play it on its own, it's a really bad place walker. Like, it's 75% of a walker.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so the first deck I'm going to propose is I think the most boring and sort of the most obvious, which is just like a red-black sacrifice. We've already had this list. And so when we say red-black sacrifice, we mean a deck that's playing... Four mayhem devil, four cauldron familiar, four Witch's oven, and then uh, you know some number of fatal push and thoughtsees all all the time, and then four, typically deadly dispute, and then there's different shells around it. So we've seen the like oni cult anvil uh, shell uh, is often there. Sometimes in in jund we're playing the food package all the way up to a collected company or not, uh, uh, four mana karn or not. So in this one, we're kind of playing like the Red Black Sacklist, but instead of playing Ornicult Anvil and a bunch of the like Dirtly Artifacts, we're playing a bunch of Dirtly Creatures instead. So we're adding in four uh, Unlucky Witnesses, uh, a Voldar and Epicure. We are going to play Blood Tithe Harvester, which is a card that typically Red Black Sacrifice does not play. Uh, I think the card is just A as a removal spell to help keep the board clean, or a blocker, or an attacker. I think you do want to be attacking, because a Nicholas can only attack their uh, life total. So you really get rewarded for attacking. Uh, if your opponent takes, you know, 16 from uh, Obnixilis, it hasn't done anything <laughs> if they don't actually die. So you do need other creatures that can attack. Four Mayhem Devil, I think the card's just awesome, and then three Obnixilis. The other card I really want to highlight, which we have not seen a lot of in Pioneer, is Claim the Firstborn. I think we should start playing at least one or two of these. If you're going to play four Witches Oven and four Deadly Dispute and three Obnixilis, uh, I th- and and you're looking at playing one or two Claim the Firstborn, I think that's just very, it's just very reasonable, right? And then again, we're playing a bunch of Bloodmakers, which allow us to loot away on Mixeless in the late game when it's bad to play on an empty board, just like Mord's saying. Or it lets us loot away the like, Claim the Firstborn Fatal Push you know, against the, the the control deck, or we loot away right Thoughtseize against our uh, mono-black opponent. So yes, yeah, simple deck. I mean, I, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. I think a lot of these cards are pretty obvious. I think a deck like this, plus or minus a few cards... Is going to 5-0 for sure the first week. Um, how good is Unlucky Witness gonna be? I think the card is very good. Uh, you guys were a little more down on it than I was, but I think especially the fact that it's a creature means you can't really play the only call package and have enough creatures left for our next list.
0: Yeah, okay, I agree on that. Also I really love your comment regarding it doesn't matter if Omnixus deals 16 damage as long as it doesn't kill your opponent, that's nothing. Because I had that exact chat today on the video on the podcast with Shia with Brian where I just told them, we were talking about Aetherius Court of Passage, and I just wanted to play it in a early deck, and I were like, if your opponent just pays 18 life to not give you six features, Athreus did nothing. (laughs) Like, as long as you... If you're just playing this and you're not doing two points of damage, Athreus did literally nothing. Right. So it's sort of, when you're playing these cards that give the opponent the decision, you have to pressure them into actually being a decision, and not just, yeah, pay two life.
1: And so I think the theory with Unixless is at least the original copy starts at three. If you plus it four times, you at least threaten to do seven to them or draw seven cards. And hopefully one of those situations is is either killing your opponent or against maybe a control deck that it's gained life or stabilized in some way. You need those seven cards, right, to start blowing up their planeswalkers or thought seizing them or whatever. So, yeah, so this is the first the first place I'd start. I I think this list is pretty close to where it's going to be uh and it'll be interesting to see like how good just the the generic red black list is, you know, adding some number of omnix lists to go with mayhem devil. And I think you want to play with mayhem devil specifically because mayhem devil turns all these two damage into gaining two life. So this just gives you like a ton of edge against mono red. I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the fact it's a level, all of a sudden, for the first time, is an advantage. Instead of just, it.
1: Eh. Right, exactly. Okay, so that's the first one. I think that's the most obvious. Less obvious. So, when we built our, like, teamer transmogrify list, we did not have great results. And one of the things I complained about is we weren't playing enough, like, normal good cards. We were really having to bend our deck a lot to transmogrify. And I felt like we weren't getting paid off for it. So... I think both Obnixilis uh, and Titan of Industry, which is just a reminder for green, 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 for a 7-7 seven, seven, uh, trample reach card. And when it comes into play, you get to pick two effects of four. The four effects you can choose from are Disenchant, gain five life, make a 4-4, four, four, or put a shield counter on a creature you control. It does not have to be the Titan, but it probably yeah. should be.
0: And it doesn't target.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um so this lets us play this as a i think a very powerful transmogrify target in a jun list so we're playing fatal push and thought right we're playing dreadbore. uh we're playing obnixos and fable the mirror breaker these are just like reasonably powered cards you're not losing games or you're casting a bunch of fatal pushes against aggro right you're just competitive in those games so obnixos is a card we do this is not really taking advantage of the sacrificing as much but i like that obnixos does two things one it helps us win fair games so if we just like uh, Courier's Briefcase, which is another new card, the one in a green treasure that makes it 1-1. One, one. On two, the typical play pattern against Transmogrify is to hold my Fatal Push until you tr- target with Transmogrify and then I almost get a two for one against you, right? Yeah. The the d- This deck lets us just pass. They're holding up removal and we just cast um, Obnixilis, sacking the 1-1. One, one. And now we've got a Planeswalker in play. It even gets through counter magic, right? They can counter the Omnixus, but they can't counter the, the copy, unless they've got, whatever, multiple counter spells with three mana <laughs> up. And that just puts you in a great position against control, puts you in great position against removal heavy decks. Omnixus is also randomly, you know, we talk about the this case where we play it early in plus, 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 it's a treasure maker. So, or excuse me, a creature maker. So it, it's a token generator, the token does a damage, I don't think that's that important. But it's just a card we can play on empty board, we can plus it the first turn, and then we can just minus it at the next turn and then we have a target for our transmogrify so our opponent has a planeswalker that need to deal with and possibly on our next turn a creature they need to kill in response to transmogrify also this deck is playing for asika's chariot asika's chariot has been in a lot of different transmogrify lists we're not uh you know blowing anyone's mind there but asika's chariot lets you copy the obnixilis token uh which is super cool and just a reminder which i think you guys point out during the spoiler season the token starts with the loyalty that the token started with, exactly.
0: Exactly. Really, we are ruling. I can't quite explain why, but that's how it works. It has been extremely confirmed.
1: So, yeah, I mean, the deck is pretty fair, but you're not playing that many bad cards. Courier's Briefcase, you know, a little bit maybe bad. Uh, Careful Cultivation eh, might be bad. But, you know, you're playing four Seekers Chariot, one sword on the Mirthless. Again, another token generator that's also just a powerful just value generator. Four Obnixilis, four Fatal Push, four Thoughtseize, two Dreadbore. You're just playing a very fair, like, Jundam out deck that has this sort of, like, faux combo finish where you can just put 11 power in play um, and and you're, you know, resilient to ass because maybe your Titan of Industry has a a shield counter on it.
0: Also, I think a Chariot can copy the 4-4 from Titan if it becomes ever relevant.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, you crew up your Chariot first, then you transmogrify one of the cats, you get your 7-7 and your 4-4, and then, yeah, I mean, (laughs) you're not losing that game.
0: Yeah, no. If you just have like literal what that gets you two two twos, one die, so you get a two 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 four four, so a seven seven and a chariot. If you lose that game, you got comboed out. Yes. You didn't lose that the weight. They didn't go over you. They just went sideways.
1: Yes, and then again, fable is great here because it loots away cards you don't need. Right, the the push these thing is the reason why it's really good in red black mid range. Also, when you get to the point where you don't need your colorful cultivations and courier's briefcases, hopefully it turns those into something real. And then of course, yes, there is always a corner case. You can sacrifice a Titan of Industry that you transmogrified into to create an unmixed list you can ultimate right away. If you really absolutely must do that uh, just to feel something, uh, that that can also happen.
0: Seems like a really fun combination of a mid-range deck that has a combo instead of an all-out transmogrified combo deck that if you hold a push or counter just flops to itself.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then that that was really my frustration. Uh, the fact that Courier's Briefcase is like sort of a ramp spell that makes a creature is really cool. Uh, I think I think that card in general is going to be very good. It might not be in this shell. Maybe the Joan Transmogrify isn't right, but Courier's Briefcase I think is going to be very powerful in Transmogrify lists. All right, now we're getting into even sketchier territory. Uh, this is called a Nixless Mardu token. So in my various token experiments, I've really been impressed by Legion's Landing and Wedding Announcement. You get enough tokens to draw from your Wedding Announcement if you want, uh, or you get a bunch of creatures to flip your Legion's Landing. And Legion's Landing making a 2-2 every turn with Wedding Announcement is like really good in mid-range matchups, like a 2-2 lifelink just helps stabilize the board. It allows you to even just take damage and then attack. Now we add to that raise the alarm and servo exhibition that helps us flip our legions landing early um, and or turn on our wedding announcement and all these tokens let us cast Torgar Famine Incarnate. So just a reminder to people, this is six colorless black black for a seven six, and you can reduce the casting cost by two colorless for every creature you have in play. So if you sacrifice three creatures, you can play it for black black, and it comes in play as a seven six. So seven—that's an interesting power level.
0: That's like yeah, why seven? Why so, would it just a so seven? So if we
1: if we imagine on a turn four, if we flipped our Legion's Landing and we get to sacrifice three creatures with our Torgar, we get to play Obnixis for three. After we play our two mana Torgar, we have priority the whole—I t- guess we have priority the whole time. We sack our Torgar uh, as part of the cast, and we get a Obnixilis on seven and an Obnixis on two. And Torgar, when it comes into play, sets your opponent's life to ten. So we can do 9 damage exactly right then with a Obnixilis uh, still in the in play to threaten to kill our opponent next turn. Uh, if we have any tokens in play they get to attack through that we actually kill them that turn.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I would just do deal 7 and risk my opponent drawing 7, but it's just a dream, right? You got yeah. a big Omnixilis, you got ta- you got a medium Omnixilis and you just have the versatility to do whatever you want. You can also target yourself with Torgar if needed.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, to your point, what you could do on that turn is just plus them both, put your opponent to six, and then next turn you threaten to kill them, right? They have to kill the the one. Or you can leave Torgar in play, right? I mean, against certain decks, Torgar is really hard to kill, right? can't be fatal pushed. It's really hard for red removal to kill it.
0: It's a 7-6.
1: It set your opponent's life total to 10, and it's it's at 7, exactly. And yeah, if you have a wedding uh, announcement in play, that's that's already flipped, uh, you can actually sacrifice Torgar and ultimate, and st- you still have your second Gyla, your second uh, Um Obnixilus left.
0: This is more of a dreamy build, right? This is sort of the op- of the unearthed elemental builds I was discussing before. Exactly.
1: Yeah, this is leaning into it. You still have a kind of fair plan. Like I've won games, a, a fair number of games in-, in Pioneer, just like Legion's Landing, raise the alarm on end of turn, attack, flip it. You know, play wedding announcement, draw a card, um, and you're just like churning out like two twos and three threes, you know. This deck is really like leading into like how cool is it to cast Torgar to set our opponent's life total to ten and then try to kill them with our you know, our crappy little creatures finally yes okay we have a deck with rotting regisaur so this is a uh this is a collected company list we've got our eight mana elves we have a, a baker's dozen or baker's half dozen here split three scrap heap scrounger three tenacious underdog i did not know which one was better we have four rotting regisaur three obnixilis four bone crusher giant four love beast one ronas three graveyard trespasser those are our three mana hits obviously obnixilis cannot be hit by collected company and then we have four collected company one Great Henge. Great Henge obviously, super powerful with uh, Lovestruck Beast and Rajin Regisar if we don't have our Obnichlis around. So this deck has like the pseudo-nut draw on the play. You can turn two, uh, get two Obnixiluses in play. I don't know how frequently that'll happen. You do have the black-green fast land, which is why this deck is mostly green and black. The only red cards are Obnixilus and Bonecrusher Giant. You need to be very respectful of your mana if you want to turn one Elf. You can't be playing black-black cards. You can't be playing red-red cards. You could turn two Riding Regisar, and then you know, next turn attack your opponent for seven. Uh, you know, whatever you discard, and then you cast your nix ultimate it, draw seven, right? Hopefully you can win those games. It'll be interesting to see if that's any good. I'm I'm not 100 percent convinced it is, but I feel like Riding Regisar has seven mana. It's seen some play. Uh at various points in Green Black Stompy lists, and uh, I think this is this is kind of where I'd start.
0: I'm excited about the fact that it's going to be a change in playing patterns in formats, I think mostly Pioneer, with how do you remove creatures. Because, for example, it's extremely common to, when your opponent plays a rotting register, for example, you wait for the attack phase to remove it, historically. Like, if you have a March, you wait for the first, to the first attack step, right? And now, with the presence of omnixities, that might not be the case. Because if your opponent smells out to the removal, they're just going to sacrifice it to the omnixities. And you're going to have to solve that problem. So it's going to make an interesting play pattern change, I think, in where most creatures are going to start being removed in upkeep or first main f- or like as a sorcery, rather than at instant speed due to a risk of my opponent just going, okay, suck your Obnixilis. And I just gave them the food for no reason because I knew I was going to kill that register on attack step.
1: Yeah, and the thing I do want to highlight is I think Henge and Obnixilis work really well together because they both pay you off for having high power, but actually, drawing seven and taking seven, like you, do, it's hard to convert that into a win right away. So if you're in like a mid-range battle, you can't just take seven damage, right? Like you've probably you're you're playing a lot of shock lands in this color mana base. Uh, your opponent can be attacking you, uh, you know, flashing back your tenacious underdog. So great henge gaining multiple life a turn maybe makes it worth you know a two of or something, and we cut you know another uh, two mana spells or something, because I think you really want that life from great henge. Maybe you want to play. Um, scavenging news is one of your two drops um because you want to be able to draw that seven right away right as soon as you have it at seven or or if you can kill your opponent that's great but if 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 you're not at that point you and you draw the seven you really want to make sure you don't die to damage right and so ancillary life gain that's why it's graveyard trespassers here just ways that you can just keep edging your life up because if you're at 22 life and you take seven and draw seven you'll win most of those games but if you're at 13 life and you draw and you take seven, there's just a lot of ways that even though you're way ahead in every way, your opponent just sneaks in six damage and you're like, man, that just sucks so bad. Like if you just play a Chandra and plus it, and you're like, oh god, if I don't kill Chandra, like next turn I'm gonna die, it's just there's that feels so bad.
0: Yeah, you just have the scenario where you did mostly nothing and just fall behind. But still, I think like this deck is the most dreamy, but I also think that the combination of Regisor might just be a natural home for Omnixilis. Maybe, but maybe that's just too much of a dream.
1: Yeah, I also I also like that you know Great Henge. If Great Henge plays Regisaur, you actually get an mixless that ultimates and doesn't die. Uh, same if you have like a if you have a Ronas that pumps Regisaur, <laughs> uh, you get a uh, Omnixel that doesn't die. So obviously these are all you know you're really living the dream. But I oh, think those yeah. are you know.
0: I mean, if you have a Great Henge in play and you're still playing stuff, you're likely winning regardless of. So yes, exactly. You're just winning more.
1: Which is what I love to do. Why win when you can win even more?
0: Yeah, that's the last of your brews for Pioneer.
1: So yeah, those are kind of four sketches. That's where I'm at. I think the, the red-black one is probably going to be the best one. Um, I think it's the most obvious one. Uh, and like like you said, the, the red-black one's like playing no bad cards, right? We just keep adding in a few more bad cards to really like make our nut draws better. And so that, this is the classic magic move, right? You sacrifice consistency for power, and when that trade-off is, uh, is right, uh, it feels great. And when you draw the wrong half of your deck, uh, then you, know, you, you curse that uh, your opponent is just playing all good cards on their list, and they're not uh, drawing a bunch of uh, servo exhibitions or whatever.
0: But I, I like how we progressively go dreamier, right?
1: Yeah, we got to start with, yeah, on the ground, with two feet on the ground.
0: And then slowly jumping ahead and just going towards the dream. Just elevating into the dream.
1: And eventually you're casting Torgar and...
0: uh, (laughs) And hoping it works. (laughs) Yes. Besides that, any other card you would like to... Like, we have a lot of Onyxity Spiels here. Any other card you wish you could You have time to to brew around? Or any other brews you're planning for the next weeks?
1: I mean, I'm going to definitely be building a a blue-black processor list with four Unlicensed Stars main. Excellent. Um... So like four unlicensors, four graveyard trespasser, um, eight processors, the wasteland strangler and the the two three that counters a spell. Um, I and then just like four push, four thoughtsees. Probably to force my opponent to play more spells, I'll play the um, the two one that when it comes into play it makes an energy and it's it's like a bad uh, uh, dark confidant.
0: Yeah, they uh two minus two one mana. Yeah. It or she
1: Exactly. So that, that's a card that forces your opponent to do something to stop it, which is fine because I just want them to play out spells so I can exile them and then I can use those exiled spells to turn it into something else. If they don't kill it, that's great too. I get a Dark Confidant.
0: Yeah, exactly. So force your opponent to actually play cards.
1: Right. Because sometimes there are decks that don't put a lot of cards in the graveyard naturally, right? Like Winota does not fill its graveyard. So you have to, you know, hopefully you Thought Seize their Winota, you Fatal Push their Elf. Finally, you can, you know, hearse away two cards... So you need to you need to put stuff in play that's gonna force them to trade. Kalidus is another main deckable card that puts stuff into exile. Uh Fen Lurker, I think, is actually kind of playable what is in a deck that has a bunch of black sources. Black Black for a one one. When it comes into play, your opponent has to exile a card from their hand. And it's unique among all the two mana XL effects. it exiles a card permanently, unlike uh Maggot. It also can pump itself, which allows it to crew hearse. So that that's the kind of interaction that I'm I'm looking for. Cause all you need to have a deck that also has a lot of creatures so that your hearse can always be turned into a creature. So so they're, they're, I'm going to do. I'm going to, that's the deck that's like all in on, I'm, I'm claiming Curse is a great card, and uh, this deck is going to try to prove it.
0: Alright, love to hear that. So you have your mind on some in some builds already, and next week you're going to just fire up on all cylinders. Yeah, well, <laughs> just
1: donate ticks to uh, all the people that have joined Pioneer Queues. It's like, man, these leagues are so easy, this guy's playing Wasteland Strangler.
0: Wait, it Wasteland? doesn't kill anything. <laughs> <laughs> resolves alright As it my turn now so you, you, Wasteland Strangler is a really weird card regarding rulings if you ever play it on paper
1: yeah yeah so for the people <laughs> you can target but you don't have to actually process so you can force your opponent to protect their creature or whatever then you don't put anything into the
0: graveyard yeah and you don't process unless you actually do the minus three minus three
1: yeah it is very strange yeah it's
0: just a weird card and if when you choose what you're gonna process it's on resolution weird card all, all around just why did they ever design that but still one of my favorites yes so right, that's
1: pioneer but we know that modern is uh where emmy uh you know makes his bones so what are we thinking about in the old uh, modern format there
0: i went a bit less specific on the card and just more broad strokes on different concepts i want to try okay first of all i started with the rear Deer ascendancy we slightly discussed on friday on saturday yes. it's a uh, 8 or 4 race cards, Ragavan, For Horror, For Season Pyromancer, Eldritch Evolution Greed, Grief, Fury, Shriekmo. So let's let's
1: just remind people what Riveteers Ascendancy does. Yeah, sorry.
0: Does. So Riveteers Ascendancy 3 mana 3 mana enchantment cost, shunt colors, so a black, a red and a green. Where the first whenever a creature goes into your graveyard, you may return a target creature with lesser mana value from your graveyard to play only once per turn. What does this mean? If I evoke a grief i get to return any theater or lower from a graveyard straight into play
1: yeah so you have a bunch of value creatures at three right you have endurance obviously in certain matchups that's great and it's easy for you to put in your graveyard for free grist which counts as a creature in the graveyard right so people have used unearth with that we're using that sort of type of mentality with the grief finding it and then you have seasoned pyromancer which a puts creatures in graveyards without having to cast them um, and is itself a great value play to get back
0: yeah, so the dream is pretty simple. It allows you to sort of, for example, go turn three, season Pyromancer, or have your opponent counter something, or just an amazing line of turn one Ragavan, turn two Grist. Your opponent is gonna remove that Grist. Turn three, Priesture Ascendancy, Grief. This card your opponent's hand, get back my Grief. Grief and Grist sound too much alike.
1: It's worth noting too that Grist naturally mills, so it could mill. Yeah. Okay, maybe you didn't have these other creatures, right? You 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 didn't find your season pyromancer, but Grist might just mill it for you, and then when you play your shriek maw, you get it back.
0: Yeah, shriek maw allows you to get back literally anything, so it's a two mana removal that can just get you back a season pyromancer that does a tempo play just insanity, and of course you have the Eldritch Evolution, which I'm not sure if they are gonna stick in the deck, but Eldritch Evolution and Grist allow you to have ways to sacrifice other creatures.
1: Right, so you Eldritch Evolution of Season Pyromancer, get a Fury, blow up their Permanent, and then the Sacrificing of Season Pyromancer puts Ragavan or Ignoble Hierarch back into play.
0: Exactly. So there's also the dream of... This is like the greatest thing I might have ever said, but the fact it's one per turn means if you can have Solidity in your deck, you can get back a great at instant speed.
1: <laughs>
0: like, you can get something on your turn, and then something on your opponent's turn. Right. And just exploit the Ascendancy to the maximum.
1: So to that point, what about uh, playing like a Goblin... Uh, bombardment? Or, yeah, what about the Bombardment?
0: Yeah, this is sort of like a first draft. The 177, a friend of the channel, sent me the link The a similar deck list that I have started to work on. Okay. This was a, sort of a draft because right below it we have a really similar deck but without Grief because it's featuring Obosh. Because it fits so easily into this deck. Maybe it's scrapping completely the Obosh plan and just going hard on playing some decent amount of good 2-drops, which I'm not sure what's a decent 2-drop nowadays in Shunt Colors. Maybe Tarmogoyf, but I just hate Tarmogoyf, and maybe I just <laughs> play Tarmogoyf. And the fact that you can just go um, turn to Tarmogoyf, or turn to I don't know, something that has a good Saka ability, and just allows you to keep getting back Ragaman. Because Ragaman might be a 1-drop, but it's going to eat any removal a 3-drop would be. Yeah. This is sort of what we're aiming for, a mixture of... Maybe some evolved creatures. Greed is the best card to get back and also a way to sacrifice stuff so it fits perfectly into the deck. Endurance works as a way to also get back at instant speed while also just being a really good value creature. Grief and Fury are sort of the best cards in the deck.
1: Yeah, this looks super sweet. And, you know, like we said, the the turn you play the Riveteer's uh, Ascendancy, that's normally a really bad turn, right? You tapped out in turn three, you did not affect the board, you didn't add any pressure to your opponent, you didn't kill anything that your opponent did. But this lets you turn that into... A super tempo-positive play if you can Fury or Grief for free and get something back. And then in future turns, it lets you almost like double your mana.
0: Yeah, that's exactly why I think this might be playable. Which is also why I don't love the card in Pioneer, but in Modern, with thanks to the Peach Elementals, it's not a tempo. You can make it not tempo-negative, because if you get a 3-drop creature, your turn was tempo-neutral. Right. While having developed the Ascendancy for following turns, just to like get insane amounts of value. I guess to me right now, I'm liking the look of the first
1: list a little bit more. I just think Grief is super powerful. It's super necessary. Exactly. It, the, the the disruption combined with your uh, four one-mana disruption spell seems very essential. Uh, this do- deck doesn't seem like a beatdown deck, which is where Obash is at its best, I think.
0: Exactly. So maybe you have to just scrap the nobles and feature some Chumana plays just to get better stuff to get back. And I think that will just... Test and play. Shrygmo could pretty likely be a one or two or three. And Eldritch Evolution, I don't think if it's good enough, if you don't have other printers to get, like, a package. So maybe that's just a for Tarmogoyf, and you play this, like, turn 2 Tarmogoyf, turn 3 Season Pyro, and once you develop the Ascendancy of turn 3 or 4, you just start getting back Tarmogoyfs or ragavans.
1: Yeah, I like it. What about the uh, 1 and a red, 2-2, two, two, when it comes into play, rummage, and then you can play pay 2 a black and a red if you've done damage to your opponent that turn you get to draw 3? Is that just too weak?
0: I think it might be too weak. Yeah. That's uh, from from Ravnica, right? Yeah. I'm trying to remember the name of the card. can't quite fill it into my mind. But I think it might be just a bit too weak as a card generally. 2 mana, 2-2 two, two loot. But that might actually have a spot or two as something great to get back into. If we're trying to go more on a value shell or turbo if that's not quite fit. Right. Also Kroxa gets you back Ragaban.
1: Oh, there we go. I'm honestly that if we played like some number of bombardments and a couple Kroxas, that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of the Eldritch Evolution package here. Yeah,
0: me neither, because it's not quite a package here. Right. But yeah, the fact that you can just go turbo dragaban, it dies, and like a turn four or turn three, after you cast a ascendancy, cast a Kruxa, it sacrifices, get back Ragaban.
1: Yeah. Oh, he yeah. starts
0: putting the pressure on your opponent. Loving it. But yeah, so, read your ascendancy. Might be a touch slow for modern, a bit too synergistic, but to say the least, an incredibly fun concept.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so that's concept one. Concept two, you're liking. Vivian on the hunt.
0: Yeah, we're going to something a bit more my style where we're starting <laughs> to play Felidar Guardian, Karmic Guides, the bad cards. We're playing just the white bad cards. So, on last Saturday, we explained the Vivian as the hunt combo where with Playman's Accomplice, you got a 4 mana win by putting your Planebound into Felidar, Felidar into Karmic Guide, Karmic Guide, and getting like, the Felidar into Kiki and winning the game. Why do we play a three ma- 6 mana Bliss Valkyrie in modern? Because this is the closest we have had to Splinter Twin in a while. The possibility of a turn two win via turn one, Arbor Elf turn two, Utopia Sprawl on the other land, and Tap the land, Plain Accomplice Vivian just allows you to win the game. Yeah,
1: so let's let's walk through that. So we play Arbor Elf on turn one, we cast Utopia Sprawl, so Arbor Elf plus Utopia Sprawl creates two colorless and two and two red. That's the important thing. We need, we need four mana, two of it red. So then we're playing Plain Bone Accomplice. Tell us what that card does.
0: So Plain Bone Accomplice is a three mana one-three from original Ravnica, that for one red mana, it allows you to pull No, it's up original, I think it's Modern Horizons. From original Ravnica, original Modern Horizons. From first Modern Horizons. That was a brain fart. Uh, for one red mana, allows you to put a Blazewalker from your hand into play, but you sacrifice it on end Also, for some reason, in its art, you have Brennan's 6, which is like the worst Walker to ever pay one <laughs> mana for, but it looks amazing, like the card looks great. Just, yeah, gorgeous, that gorgeous makes card. sense. So, this allows you to play your plane bound, and use the fourth mana to put your Vivian into play, and the plus two will allow you to sacrifice your play mana accomplish to get a 4-drop, which is for your guardian, which can blink your Vivian, which then allows you to sacrifice the new Failure Guardian to get a Karmic Guide, which will get back Failure Guardian, which will target your Vivian. And then you sacrifice the... Field Guardian again, poor Kitty. You kill it twice already, and you get Kikishiki. You copy your Kami guide. you get Felial Guardian again, and you target the Kikishiki. And then you just go infinite with Kikishiki and Felial Guardian. So,
1: this combo doesn't need plain bound accomplice, it you're only putting that in there just to speed up the combo.
0: Exactly, all you need is Vivian and a three mana creature.
1: So, Vivian's plus two. Functions as a, a neo form. So it sacrifices a creature and finds a card with exactly one more casting cost. So you need any three mana creature. It can be Plainbound Accomplice. Uh, I think on Friday you were talking about how it doesn't target with that ability, which I didn't realize, which makes it very powerful. So if you have a Plainbound Accomplice and LSC's and Pyromancer, you put a Vivian in play and plus it, your opponent has to kill both creatures in order to fizzle the ability, which is really interesting.
0: That puts your opponent in a really awkward spot, because if they can't kill both, that means they have to kill the Felidar. Like, if a opponent only has one removal, it means they have to let you put up and kill the Felidar because the Felidar is the only 4-drop, right? Uh, unless you have a second Felidar, which is the they have two, because then you just sacrifice a drop again and get a second Felidar. Your opponent is forced to wait till the last point of the curve to stop the combo, which is once you start targeting the Felidar with the Kiki. F- f- so first of all, they have to realize that.
1: And people don't. I, I've, I've commented on this and what Dan says is a mean way, but the level of magic playing is actually really bad on average. I've noticed, like, the win percentage of decks goes down after people just get beat by it, and someone explains. I don't know if it's Paulo Vito, Dominaros. Like, someone has to, like, explain to them, oh, when they do this, you have to wait until this and then cast it. And then people are like, oh. So you realize, like, most people don't actually play magic. They just recognize patterns, and they perform them. So they need to understand the new pattern.
0: I'm going to say this you know, in a bit of less meaningful <laughs> <laughs> in, a little, in a bit of a lesbian way
1: you're the good cop on the bad cop
0: yeah exactly Magic is hard and knowing your opponent's 75 is harder and this happens a lot with the Meshi combo for example nowadays which is winning 80 percent based on opponents making misplays just because <laughs> the deck is no new and they have no idea so i'm saying i'm excusing people because the deck is new and you're just like no they just see patterns
1: but well both are
0: true <laughs> yeah both are true because they haven't understood the new patterns
1: Exactly. So, someone will explain it, it'll be, you know, Brad Nelson will write an article, or Ari Lax, or Sam, whoever, whoever you like, and and they will be like, oh, what you need to do is X and Y, and, and that's going to change the win percentage of this deck by like Significantly.
0: But yeah, no, I, I don't think, like, intuitively, no one is going to realize that if I have two zeros on play, and they have only one removal, they have to wait for a specific moment Kikishiki targets Felidar. Right. Because that's... The only moment they can fizzle the combo. Oh, no, sorry. When Kiki Siki targets Karmic, it's the first time they can fizzle the combo.
1: Yeah. The one exception is if they have an exile effect. Uh, so if if they put Vivian to play and plus it, even if they have two, three drops, if one of them is a non-Playman accomplice... Oh. Or uh, or uh, I, I'm sorry. When when they, when they target the Felidar, if they exile the Felidar, then there's nothing to get back with their, um, Karmic Guide.
0: Yeah, but I never. Okay, yeah, I get what you mean. No, no, but I just target the BBM, get a new three drop, sacrifice the second three drop, get a new Felidar, and just restart.
1: Oh yeah, as long as long as you have more. Yeah, if you have two three drops and then you use them to get two Felidar Guardians. Yeah, and then you can, you can even can... leave
0: the dream of just going. I just, I didn't even think of this. You have two, two, two C-drops, you get two Felidars. Yeah. And you just get two Fury. You can even get, like, a Kiki and a Fury if you want while you combo. Right, Like, exactly. while you are at it. Yeah. Going into it, this allows you to have a four mana win with a deck that allows you to make four mana on turn two, which your opponent is not going to answer intuitively. And even if they manage to kill your creature, because if you have two creatures, they have to kill both. And even if they manage to stop the combo, you have a six mana Walker with a plus one that really, that actually casts a three mana sorcery, which is Lead the Stampede, or makes a four four with the minus one. A four four every turn is a really strong thing to do in Modern.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. The one interaction with this that's kind of wild is Unholy Heat that's fully kicked actually kills us for a mana, right? It just kills Vivian.
0: Yeah, that's the most annoying thing. Part. yeah that's the one thing you fear the, the the fact that it doesn't die to bolt or unholy hit or like like it has to be specifically unholy hit bolt does not stop it um a lot of like tradi- traditional traditional three mana removal won't stop this yeah you need to have exactly unholy hit to kill the vivian because it's started to kill a prince for ground four but that's the biggest fear of the deck.
1: yeah it makes me wonder if we almost want to play like endurance because of that
0: <laughs> i mean I likely it. you won't because this is just like a really fast cage. but yeah maybe you just want endurance in your the, in the, at least or in your sideboard, because it's also an amazing creature you can sacrifice to BBM. Like, you can just go turn three and your your opponent's step endurance into a turn four plane bound plus BBM. Have your two three drops, have your two bodies, make sure they can't unholy hit. Put your opponent in a really awkward spot.
1: So your deck is really leanly constructed here. So you have... Four Ragavan, four Arbor L, four Utopia Sprawl. Obviously Ragavan is one of the more powerful cards in the format. We have our, it can function as a ramp spell though to get to three. And then you have four bolts, that's your one sort of tip to the interaction. Plus plus Fury. We have four Playbound Accomplice. Obviously this card is weak without Vivian, but it allows us to execute our combo, like you say, on turn three, at uh, turn two with a super nut draw.
0: Turn three sort of consistently because it only becomes a dork, a Playbound, and a Vivian.
1: Season Pyromancer. obviously that's just helping us find the right parts of our deck. Two Felidar Guardians, two Karmic Guides, two Kiki Jiki. So that's the I think the leanest package possible that allows us to avoid removal in exactly the way you described. you have two three drops, you just get sack one, Vivian, Felidar, Blink Vivian, get another Felidar Guardian. And then because it doesn't target again, you plus it again. So if they have Solitude or River, it doesn't stop it.
0: It's really sad this I cannot play Obosh because the only creature that stops Oh no, also Vivian stops Obosh. I said nothing. Yeah. I was looking at I was looking at the cost of my false Vivian. <laughs> That allows you to have a really lean deck with a really straightforward plan. There's also the fact that turn three season into turn four Felidar is a really good play.
1: Yeah, I didn't think about that.
0: Like, it's just going to buy you an instant speed board. Really, like, it's just going to buy you a board. It's going to get you four war ones, a 2-2, a 1-4, dig you really deep. And this deck having 12 ramp spells, if you include Ragavan, already if not, can actually just hard cast Vivian a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, and Vivian, I mean, just as a reminder, it has other techs other than the combo part. It minus ones to make a Rhino. You know, that's not the end of the world. Um, and then it plus ones to mill uh, f- five cards, and then you can put any number of creature cards into your hand. And this deck is all creatures except for four Lightning Bolts and, and the other three Vivians. Yeah, so and, this and is And the, the four Utopia Sprawl. So it's going to probably draw about two-ish cards with its plus one.
0: Exactly, so... Grinding a Bibian is gonna be tough, and the fact you can just pull naturally, right? Seems like a good egg, not sure if it will be amazing, but I think it's at least test-worthy. Like, a lot of people, were when this got spoiled, were like, oh, this is another Luka, because when Luka got spoiled, everyone was playing an egg that was um, five mana, the 5-mana planeswalker Luka, and with any 3-drop, you just got to sacrifice the 3-drop and get an Emrakul.
1: Yes, we were doing that on uh, week one, I think.
0: But the problem is, that doesn't win you the game, as we said on Saturday opponent can just go tefery bounce opponent can just go a lot of stuff that can go wrong there's also the deck building requirement that has that you cannot play creatures over 3 you cannot play fury for example yeah that's here, your early requirement is having failure on Karmic Guide in your day. That's it.
1: Yeah, so really the penalty that here is we're having to play just a handful of bad cards, right? Like, playing Bond Accomplice is not a great card unless it's specifically putting in the combo. I think, in general, Six of Vivian is not uh, a Modern Powered card unless you're actually executing the combo that turn. Followed our Guardian is closer to Modern Power level. We've seen it played, you know, for almost straight value in It also have combo finishes. And Karmic Guide is, you know, again... It has corner case application, but it's not just on flat value. A five mana resurrection is not uh, is not. A yeah, it's not
0: an amazing card, card. but it can- I have won games on the back of Karmic Guide in modern. Like Carmic Guide, like a fury, can happen, will happen, and also it's pro black. So yeah, sometimes you just gotta get the upside of it. Sure, absolutely. It happens.
1: All right, so this is the 60 card. This is the streamlined version. Like I said, I think this is about as streamlined as it can get. I think you've got the exact right number at, at kind of each mana cost. But why play the most streamlined version when we can get all the value? We have yes. a Urion list here, which has the same shell, but we've diluted the list, which had, like I said, a handful of cards that aren't on their own powerful enough. Our percentage of cards that are modern power is actually higher now because we're playing sixes and Sixes and, and whatnot.
0: Yeah, we're in Brennan 60s, we're in World Giant, interaction. And also, there's a the fun fact that Imperial Recruiter gets you Playmon Accomplice, which might allow you to lower the number
1: mm, of Playmate
0: Accomplices you're running. Allows you to run for Fury. Maybe this is a, a deck that wants a Ladam race call to find Furies, to find Season Pyros, to just grind your opponent out. I don't know. Just ask, see if I'm playing Season Pyron Fury, I just want to feed a Yorion, right? I don't know if it's a good idea, but I want to do it.
1: Right, so this deck actually has to be able to play white lands. Um, you get to play four Abundant Growth, which obviously that's a that's a known powerful card with uh, Urien. Obviously, fine. We have a Naya.
0: Uh, <laughs> we have a Naya Triumph coming.
1: Yeah, so which really
0: helps this sort of strategy. Yeah, exactly. This seems like the more fun build, right? Like the one that's actually trying to play a mid range plan a little faster and can kick you out.
1: Yeah, and, and for me, it seems like what you what the final version of this deck is, whether it's Urien or not, is how can we play enough combo pieces to combo consistently while hopefully like not drawing the Plainbound Accomplice without the Vivian or not drawing the Vivian without the Plainbound Accomplice. Right? We want to minimize the times we draw that, that stuff. Of course, like you love to draw Ragavan and, and run in Six, and then how, how can we just have enough combo pieces to make the rest of it work? Felidar Guardian with uh, Urien is also spectacular, I mean.
0: Yeah, that's just gonna get you a trigger every turn. That's just gonna win you the game really fast. That's the sort of two builds I had for Vivian on the hand. I think Four Season pirates is a must any version of the deck because it's the best creature to blink with Felidar Guardian. Also, you can just go wild and just... This is sort of an intro into the following deck. We're not gonna go right there right now, but just go for Felidar Guardian for Sahelian Leap Deck Combo Dream. Please don't do it, but you can.
1: <laughs> so we go four color. <laughs> Always. We're playing Vivian and Felidar and Sahili.
0: And Omnath, because we're on four-color.
1: And Kiki-Jiki and Karmic Guide and Plainbound Accomplice. Although, maybe you don't need Plainbound Accomplice. Maybe Omnath just gets you to the Vivian mana.
0: Omnath is just better Ram.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I don't hate that. See, some fighters just close everything together, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just you discard the stuff you can't cast.
0: Discard everything that's not castable because you're a main red deck trying to play Sahili, right? But,
1: but that's the puzzle. So that'll be the puzzle that we explore, uh, right? Is how can we get Vivian on the hunt to kind of maximize her potential? Which is, like you say, Vivian plus a three mana creature wins by itself. You don't have to do anything else. That's really powerful.
0: That's also the fact that if you get two mana creatures on the deck for any reason... Like, this is a concept for anyone that produces the deck. If you're playing two mana creatures, you have to add a one of Flicker Whisp to the deck as a way that if your three-drop gets removed, you can keep your Vivian by Hmm,
1: That's interesting.
0: So it forces them to deal with the 2-drops and 3-drops unless they want to let you keep the 6 mana Bladeswalker. And I think Flickerwisp is the only 3 mana creature able to blink the Vivian.
1: Yeah, I believe that's the case.
0: So if you're playing m- multiple 2-drops, add a flickerwisp to the deck. Then your
1: mana starts to get really gnarly. <laughs>
0: you, just, you just add 1 and you just barely cast it. But that's mostly for the Yorian version because you're not playing 2-drops in this 60 card. The 60 card is a lot more streamlined. If you're playing 2-drops, it's Renault 6.
1: Yeah, and again, all these blink effects are super sweet with your iron blinking Flicker Wisp is awesome.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's because the upside you get, because I think if you go 80, you go a lot stronger on, re- on white than you go on the 60. Yeah, agree. But yeah, that's just the end of even of the hand. And I'm going to go to what I think is just the most, I, I, I don't know, dreamy scenario deck, anything possible, because I'm going to start describing the mana base if you look at the picture, the mana base is it's not real. But you're going to play a 2022 land deck that has four Ursa Saga, and it's a four-color deck.
1: <laughs> so why are we playing so many colors?
0: So we're playing... Remember when I said we should add Shazam, Sahelirai, and Four Filiar Garden to the deck upstairs? Well, I did that, but not you, Abivian, on the hand deck, but you had the devoted druid deck. So Luxior, Gilda's Gift, the one-man equipment that... Says, let me just read it exactly because we're gonna need that text really at hand. Looks your Giara's gift. One mana equipment, one mana artifact, legendary artifact. Equipped creature gets plus one plus one for each counter on it. Equipped permanent isn't a place walker and is a creature in addition to its other types. Equipped planeswalker for one, equipped for three. Here's the deal. First of all, we have the more streamlined combo, the one everyone knows about, which is. So this text features three combos in three different ways to win the game. First of them is the usual Devoted Druid. You have Devoted Druid and you have seer of remedies infinite mana, right? Simple and easy. But th- now you also have Luxure, which in this deck is Bone splitter. for anyone that looks at it. Luxure plus Devoted Druid also nets you infinite mana, because whenever the, the Devoted Druid gets a minus one minus one counter, if it has Luxure keep, it gets a plus one plus one. So you get to tap it infinitely. That's your first combo, infinite mana with Devoted Druid, via seer or via Luxure. Secondly, you have access to a Saheli Rai Felial Guardian shell. Which, you know, everyone knows, Saheli Rai minus 2 on Felial Guardian, Felial Guardian blinks Saheli, and you just make infinite one force with haste. So why am I playing these two cards together? These two combos that se- seem to have nothing in-, in common? And the reason is Luxure itself. Luxure also combos with Saheli Rai, allowing you to get infinite Inter the Battlefield or Liber the Battlefield tokens as you equip Luxure to your Saheli 2 on itself and it creates a copy that's also an artifact that can keep minusing 2 on itself infinitely.
1: And all of that works with Altar of the Brood, exactly. Which, which is tutorable also by Urza Saga.
0: Exactly. So you have Urza Saga to find new Luxure, to find new Altar of the Brood, and um, Altar of the Brood, and Viridian Longbow as a man, as an infinite mana outlet for devoted Druid.
1: Yeah. So Viridian Longbow allows you to take advantage of infinite amounts of untaps. Uh, to do a damage apiece.
0: And also, we are featuring four Stoneforge Mystic because it gets you literally Luxier or even a to just win the game. Also, we are featuring one of Shadow Spear because it's Shadow Spear and we're playing four Usasawa.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of moving parts here.
0: <laughs> closer to a Fever Dream than an actual deck. I want to be the first to admit that.
1: We're playing four Birds of Paradise to uh, just tie all, the all together. Birds of
0: Paradise for four Ragaman. Oh, full on Insanity, right? Oh, full on me. <laughs> this deck doesn't feature a single removal Unless piece. you
1: count equipping Verdian longbow to kill a ragavan oh
0: just four mana kill a ragavan plus like the from a creature that is untapped <laughs> and then we have three postmortem lunge because why not it works excellently with the worded druid and it works semi-decently with failure guardian
1: yeah it's very interesting i mean like you say we're, we're pushing the mana to the absolute limit
0: <laughs> oh yeah this is the limits of magic's mana base
1: I wonder if there will be maybe a version that uses the left half of this deck, uh, eschews the Sahili Rai-Feldar combo, and then plays, like, four mana Karn, uh, which could maybe have, like, one of Viridian Longbow, one of Luxior, uh, one of Alter, right? You can, you can hide extra copies of these uh, cards you don't want to have in your main deck in excess amount.
0: That's likely the upgrade for this deck. Like, just remove the bad stuff, play the good stuff, go down to, like, 20 lands. I'll just focus on a Selechnia shell. That's likely what you should do. I'm just doing bad stuff. Right. Yeah, that's likely the straight upgrade. I, sh- I saw um, on YouTube Magic Gates playing this deck with Chancellor of the Tangle. Mm. So he could go turn one devoted through one through Druid. Which is also sort of living the dream, but a different dream, a more consistent dream. Yes. A square dream. Right. This is one of the decks also that really goes through one Ursa Saga, like sort of amulet start of gameplay, right? Like. Turn one Ursa Saga turn to the boat and if it doesn't die, get and win. Yeah, it
1: sounds beautiful, right? I mean <laughs> what could go wrong?
0: <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> You can also just win on turn 3 with Fosborn modern launch and Instant Spear, so... Uh, I mean, with Haste, so it doesn't even need to survive. There's a lot of stuff to at least consider here. Maybe the Final Garden is the impossible dream, but I think the rest might actually feature... Might be a sort of renaissance for devoted Druid X. Yeah, I- you can just... Yeah, I think you just do that. Take out Saheli, take out Felidar, add a Caldera Complete and a Sword for your Stoneforge Mystic, so you have a plan B. Yeah.
1: My, my fear in general is that Luxiar seems like it's going to be this sweet card, and then all it is used with is just Devoted Druid. that doesn't actually do any of the other fun stuff that, uh, you know, Dan outlined all these, like, 10 different things you can do. It's just like, yeah, we're not doing any of that. <laughs> we're crewing up Devoted Druid.
0: I think that's 85% of what's going to happen with it. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true.
1: But to be fair, as you pointed out, Devoted Druid, very powerful for a while in Modern, and then it really has, you know, faded away. Um, there's various reasons for that but most of them are MH2 related and so, you know it, it, a little uh, devoted druid renaissance wouldn't, wouldn't be looked on entirely unfavorably, it's like uh, you know, a visit from an old friend
0: I lost the other day to it because they just literally played the fourth devoted droids so turn three, 2, 3, 4 five, inch of post lunch and I just almost cried myself to sleep <laughs> it's just one of those scenarios where I just closed empty show and were like, okay, I'm not playing anything, I'm not playing more today yeah,
1: there you go, go outside you know, look at the sunset. Touch some grass. <laughs> yeah. Touch grass. All right, so yeah, that's the that's week one. That's what we're looking for. The set comes out on the 28th on Magic Online and Arena. We are super excited to get our hands on these cards and start brewing up some decks. And so until then, we'll just have to sort of, you know, sit anxiously waiting.
0: Yeah, just hoping for it. We have to survive an extra week, which is a lot. Yeah. But yeah, excited for the cards, excited for some of the brews. I just want to play Vivian of the Hunt because board is my favorite magic card that I never got to play.
1: Oh, yeah. This is like a pod that can just also make a 4-4 if if everything goes horribly wrong.
0: It's like double the the cost for half the value. (laughs) Yeah,
1: there you go. Perfect.
0: (laughs) Thanks so much. Thanks a lot for sharing with me tonight, um, David. Yeah, and I will uh, see you soon, buddy. See you soon. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed the show, remember to tune in on Monday as Cabran finally returns from his vacations in Mexico. This means we'll be able to make a deep dive into one of his favorite cards from New Capena. Will we be able to crack Luxor in Modern or in Pioneer? Let's see that on Monday. Thanks for listening and hope to see you again. Stay safe. Bye-bye.